until we help others self-actualize, we're actually not living our full self. Treating pain and loss and sadness as more of a friend. The cure for the pain is in the pain. Now we um, we were talking just before you uh, you got uh, just well, just before I hit record that Tony Shea, uh, you know, former CEO of Zappos, uh, had put me in touch with Fred Mosler and uh, helped me in the past when I was building a, a Mexican restaurant chain in the past life, and um, and you had originally founded uh, your business right delivering happiness with uh, Tony right. Um, yeah. and, um, mm-hmm. and you're on that mission to kind of help create happy, uh, company cultures around the world. Is that right? Yeah, that's been, uh, the trajectory for the last 11 years now. It's super crazy. But when, uh, Tony and I launched the book delivering happiness in 2010, uh, lo and behold, we had no idea that there was going to be a company and I'd still, still be running it all these years later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the whole genesis of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that that book, by the way. And um, um, well, and speaking of books, you have another book coming out in I October, do. right? 2021, Beyond Happiness. I yeah. love, uh, love the little blurb on that. What's that all going to be about? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this book, uh, there was always the next book I was talking to the publishers about. And so contract was signed uh, January, 2020. And then of course, 2020 happened. Um, so uh, the series of, of events leading up to Tony's passing in uh, November, just, I couldn't write the book that I was supposed to write basically. It was just like, there's no way, like the, the world has changed um, both for the globe and for myself. And um, but the, you know, the processing of what happened with Tony and all that then shifted gears to not just talk about, you know, the, the work we've done in the last 10 years with companies and uh, governments and hospitals around the world uh, came up with this new title of Beyond Happiness, where it, um, I feel, was able to really actually try and embrace what was going on in the world and also what's going on with uh, Tony and us as leaders in the world and how we approach it from uh, a different mindset uh, and from a different place of heart. What, what, what is this fascination um, with uh, you know, the, the whole person and trying to get people mm-hmm. connected to their purpose and make sure that you know, company workforces are, uh, you know, happy. Uh, you know, a lot of people just build a company and they just want to make as much money as possible and, you know, crush anybody that comes along the way in their path. You take a much <laughs> different approach. You know, where does all that, what, what's that born from? I think it's born from the, well, to literally be born from where we were when we were born mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting real with That's that. a good place to be born from. <laughs> yeah. And we, as we get older and have all the, you know, that we have our genetics, but we have our nature and nurture, right? Like we go through our environments and we learn all these things that are sometimes good and sometimes not good. And it impacts us in ways that unless we actually basically just get real with ourselves. And that means definitely celebrating what's great with us, but also just recognizing 
what are our sh shadow sides and what are the things that we're trying to not bring into our sphere of life that impact us as individuals and therefore us as leaders. So, you know, I think you know, just a few years ago, this sounds so woo-woo and like, you know, I don't need to do that. Like meditation, self-awareness, like, you know, all that is just like, no, Who needs to be self-aware? <laughs> I know. I can make a lot of money and not be self-aware. And yeah, that's exactly. totally fine. And there's a lot of people that do do that and want to do that. And there's no twisting of arm on my front. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, you be you. <laughs> but, um, the, but when we do get real, uh, within ourselves first and, and this more, you know, holistic approach of like you know, embracing our highs, celebrating, but also really embracing our lows. And I like, that's where the shift happened of like the book that I was supposed to write after Tony's passing. Um, it tested me again. You mm -hmm. know, I've been in the happiness business for like 15 years now, but it, after that, I was like, Hey, I had to sit, uh, sit down with myself and say, is this still true? How did, how did the book um, change? How did the direction of the book, you know, Tony, yeah, so Tony, very, very tragic, his passing. And um, mm -hmm. how did, how did the book change then? Like what, what made it change? You know, why did it need to change? Um, what mm -hmm. happened thereafter? Well, I think for me that um, I was already going to talk about as part of our very tactical exercises and practices that we do for leaders to get real with themselves, really understanding and actually like going through steps of, uh, you know, mapping out your own story, mapping out your hero's journey of highs and lows. It became even stronger in the sense of what it means to go through my lows in life. Because previously, my lowest low was losing my dad um, almost 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. So he was too young. I was in my 20s. I was just like, you know, why does this happen? And, and really getting real with my own values and sense of, you know, how am I going to prioritize my time in the course yeah. of the day? When Tony passed, he was a lot younger than my dad. Um, he was a public figure. He was one of my best friends. He was like one of my soulmates. I was like, this, all those things. And obviously a business partner. But it just really thrust my uh, growth and understanding of where what this all means and had me question and verify is this still true so of being able to embrace the highs and lows and a quote from Rumi really got me through this and I read tons of books and all this on this subject matter but uh, what he said was um, the cure for the pain is in the pain and that got me through a different trajectory. And I was already reading up on this for years because of my dad's passing, but with Tony passing then, it was like really put in my face of, well, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And the highs that we feel- I was just gonna, was just gonna ask, like, what, is, what, yeah. what, what does that mean to you? The cure for the pain oh. is in the pain. It's very reminiscent of, um, you know, Ryan Holiday, the obstacle is the way, mm. right? Um, yeah, exactly. What does it Resistance. Um, I think it's in our nature sometimes to block things out and not have to deal with it and, and know that like, it's okay. Like, you know, maybe you know, happy go lucky. It's like, Oh, that didn't happen. Or to the point of, uh, you know, on the other end where it's so depressing and sad that it's like, I don't want to even want to think about it because I'll just get into a hole. Yeah. For me, it was really treating it 
like treating pain and loss and sadness as more of a friend, um, putting wow. it next to me and having a conversation with it rather than trying to block it out as to why I feel these things. And instead having more of a open dialogue of why I feel these things based on these events, especially you know the culmination of Tony passing, let alone a pandemic, let alone global recession, you know, social injustice, and having conversations with those things to understand um, that for me, <clears throat> excuse me, being able to embrace it and have and sit with it side by side, the shadows, uh, then I was able to see where the height of true happiness or peace um, or joy or whatever you want to call it can really be within my, my, myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because if you take, if you take the lows out, mm -hmm. then on a relative scale, we don't have the highs, right? So. Right. <laughs> that, doesn't, that's, that's it doesn't get as high. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like one simple way of looking at it. Um, yeah. I, I love that you used the phrase actually highs and lows. Um, one of the things mm -hmm. that I've always, um, I, uh, as I'm sure, you know, um, you've done a lot of as well. You know, one of the things I do a lot of is you know, public speaking. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I always try to do when I'm uh, up on a stage or virtual or whatever speaking is, is weave together a story that actually shows the roller coaster journey of life, you know, that it is high and it is low because yeah. I get so frustrated when I go to a conference or if I listen to someone speak and they're just, talking just about the highs is it like i mean it, first of all it's a very boring roller coaster right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like there's it's like there is no roller coaster. the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. and um and it's not very relatable is it right because no. yeah we all go through lows yeah um we 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 do this exercise with a lot of our, our leaders and exit coaching but uh we call it the happiness heartbeats so knowing there's the highs and lows and if you, it, just, you know, picture how your heartbeat looks like on a, you know, a machine, it, the higher it goes, the lower it goes. So, you know, mm -hmm. if it stays around the same, then you're just going to have like the, you know, a little bit of hum. Uh, and then it's the worst when it's probably flat because <laughs> you yeah. don't have anything to think about anymore. But that's the whole point of being able to identify that within ourselves. I mean, just do a, like a quick reflect, reflection exercise on, what were those highest highs? What were those lowest lows? You know, what what did that mean? What uh, what did we learn from it? What were our values uh, that were present or not present? What were the people that were present or not present in those moments? And that starts building a more sustainable way to understand how to be real with ourselves and actually have more sustainable happiness and, and joy in our lives. What's what's one of the most powerful lessons you? learn personally from, from one of your lows? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Definitely when my dad passed, I was, you know, this is going to bring, bring us back to the day of the dot-com days. So all in one year, I, you know, dot-com boom, money house status was super high. Um, and then all within a year, uh, dot com busted. I got laid off, and money title status was gone. My dad was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer, 
and then 9-11 happened all in one year. So that was a low moment. (laughs) Not in that order. Uh, My dad was the highest order of the low. Um, But it really forced me to rethink how I looked at life and my priorities and therefore values. So I knew at that point, not money tile status, it's the people of my life that will really lead that conversation within myself and being authentic, number one of that. So it's a, if I couldn't get real with myself, how would I be able to prioritize people? Uh, it wouldn't just, it wouldn't do them justice, it wouldn't do me justice. So I had to really, you know, get honest with what do I want to, how do I actually show up and not feel like I'm trying to be something. Um, so that's when it got real. And that was, you know, a couple of decades ago. And then of course it got brought back in a whole new ringer uh, cycle with 2020 and the world events that we had. And, and you know, Tony um, just saying, Hey, is this still true? And it's like, yes, it's still true. But then some, you know, like it's yes. And it's really getting to, into that relationship with those, uh, those low moments. And really like that Rumi quote again, just uh, feeling, uh, you know, there's a big, big topic around mental health and, you know, where we are as a society and individuals and yeah. leaders. So that to me is directly tied. Uh, the mental health comes from being able to have that conversation with those low moments. Yeah. And, and we're talking about highs and lows predominantly right now from like a micro point of view. And that we're talking about like as an individual person, individual life, but of course mm-hmm. with delivering happiness with your business consultancy, you're looking at it, not just from a micro point of view, but you're also looking at it from the macro, right. From a company uh, culture point of view. Um, right. So what's, what's the problem that you're trying to solve with delivering happiness? Where does, mm-hmm. where does delivering happiness kind of fit in the landscape? Why is it needed? Mm. Um, um, I love the way that you bridged that question. It's like, yay, great segue. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> I was working on that segue for you years. Were. I was like, damn, that was smooth. <laughs> yeah, Eric, what did you have for breakfast? That was uh, I'm, just, I'm just drinking Coke Zero. <laughs> Ah, nice. Oh, I'm a little jealous. I ran out the other day. <laughs> um, so yeah, the what what's so what why I love what we've been trying to, you know, because you know, back in the day it was about Zappos and they yeah. they were like a poster child for culture. Um, yeah. that was like 15 years ago. And then it was like when Delivery Happiness was launched, it was like, whoa, this is this doesn't have to be a Zappos story. So it's like well, how do we make it sustainable and how do we make it scalable so that we're using scientific, uh, you know, forms of happiness, positive psychology, and create a method that every co- company and organization and, uh, can use, essentially. So that's where the beauty comes in. It's just like, it's not necessarily the things we were talking about from an individual basis. So we call yeah. it me, we community. So me, obviously individual, we is uh, teams and organization. And community from a business context as our customers, partners, and vendors. And now, of course, we're, we're touching on like society and the planet right. in more ways every day. So the beauty of it all that we saw, especially over the last several years, is that the concepts that we talk about for 
sustainable happiness for a co- uh, for an individual applies to that of a company. So the things that we use to uh, make sure that we're as individuals sustainably happy actually can grow companies in a more sustainable way. And of course, in the last few years, especially after COVID, there's more things that we need to add on to that in terms of resiliency and um, belonging, uh, accountability and commitment. But the things that we've seen and being able to actually be more profitable by focusing not just on the normal mechanics, but actually focusing on people at the same time so that you have the people, profits and purpose all in alignment. So it's no like, you know, it's not a zero sum game. When you have those three three things together, you actually see your impact grow, not just in your money, you know, your bank account (laughs) or your stock price, you know. In in, in um, your money pot. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's what we've been doing. It's been able to show in this, you know, in a measurable way, because otherwise people are like, you know, naturally CFOs like, what? That doesn't make sense. Like, why would I spend money on that? It's like, well, you know, this is an asset. People are, and this is how you do it. <laughs> and this is how you show, like, you know, we worked with Starbucks for a few years and, and being able to show that there was a lot of moving parts in a huge company like that. But by like, the so end were you of- like, Were you showing a, uh, num- like, like a numerical correlation between the happiness and, and the people increasing and then the, even the profitability of the company increasing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for different uh, organizations, um, they are comfortable using the word happiness. Yeah. And we have measurements around that and tools around that. So it really depended on what their culture is about and terminology that they're comfortable with, because they could use other things like engagement or productivity right, okay. or, you know, things like yeah. that. So but the biggest thing, though, that like what you brought up and when I uh, it's a great point that I want to build on is until you are able to really be clear about that measurability of, you know, if it's engagement, if it's retention, if it's like whatever your, you know, problems are in your money pot of people, like being able to track that to and, and correlate to um, a person's well-being, essentially, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's the most sustainable way to keep this impact growing. Yeah, and it's because obviously you'll you'll have the segment of people who they don't need the money, you know, convincing argument that, yeah, I want to make my people happier and more engaged. And of course, let's just do it just because I believe in that. But if you can create that data connection, then you also then, you know, you get the other side of the brain folks as well, so to speak. And, you know, you just get um, a bigger piece of... um, bigger piece of the pie and then I guess ultimately exactly you get to do what you're you know so 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 we we talked about Abraham Maslow right before we we press mm-hmm. you know record and I was saying um how so ultimately what I'm trying to do with this podcast is solve what I perceive to be the world's biggest problem which is that Abraham Maslow estimated that only 2% of people are operating to their fullest potential. Now, whether it's 2% or, you know, I don't know, 3% or five or 18, I've, I've seen various studies and kind of like, you know, the number changes and, but there is a, a, um, there is, you know, a, 
unanimous agreement that it's a it, it's too small the number right and it's a minority and that we need a bigger um, you know more people playing to their fullest uh, capability so um, mm-hmm. I kind of see that connected to also what you're doing with delivering happiness helping people mm-hmm. you know self-actualize realize their full potential but what I was getting to before I hit record you said we should really talk <laughs> about Abraham Maslow because I have some cool things and ideas to share about my thinking about his pyramid and hierarchy needs and all that. I don't know where that was going to go, but. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, soak that one. Yeah. That's one of those moments where we, we didn't plan for this. Like, like that earlier segue that you had, that was amazing. This is another one because we had no idea. You didn't know I was going to talk about Maslow in my book. And yet I did. Because yeah. I'm super uh, like it, the, we Tony and I put Maslow in the first book, uh, Delivering Happiness, and this one was like when I started re like sort of like uh, reflecting and and generating the lessons learned along the way in the last you know ten eleven years. I looked at the pyramid again, Maslow's hierarchy, and I was like, yeah. this just is not cutting it anymore. Yeah. So I did my own take on it, but what I was happily uh, like surprised about in the research was that he did his own take on it too uh, 50 years after he created that pyramid because I was like no nah, it's like so I'll, I'll break it down in two things so I'll, I'll leave his his update the um, the the second point the first point was how it was uh, built as a pyramid and it was a hierarchical one hmm. and I think the the more updated current version of it is that it, it's not a hierarchical one. It's actually more of a spectrum so that you're not necessarily, you, you need physiological needs before you can go to the next, before you can actually go all the way to the top of self-actualization. That was its original intention. But these days, I think we see a flow, you know, of the different polars yeah. of someone could maybe have just barely those physiological needs but actually be more self-actualized than, you know, <laughs> someone that's in our, you yeah. know, next yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't office need, or, yeah, you don't need to go like, it's not like this ladder rungs in the ladder and yeah, and you have to go. So, and, yeah. Bi-directional. And then, so I also like talk about other elements, but the other thing that I thought was really cool and I'm really surprised that this isn't more in public, and published, uh, publicized, is that he came up with something before he passed called transcendence. So it wasn't self-actualization at the top. Yeah, he actually kind of yeah. like, it's transcendence. And people don't talk about that that often, but that's exactly what you know, the, the, the analogy that we're bringing in the parallel between coming from the me to the we, mm-hmm. the individual to the group or the company. What he said was that, you know what, it's, that's not what we're all about. What until we transcend, which essentially is until we help others self-actualize, we're actually not living our full self or potential. That two mm. percent that you're saying. Mm. So that transcendence Ooh, is I love that. I love that. Top, Healthy. top, top yeah. of the big. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Help others self-actualize. Yeah. Then that's when you're truly living up to that potential. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh to your point of what you're trying to do with your podcast and everything you're working on, adding that element is so current, you know? Yes, I'm transcending. 
<laughs> I, I think you're literally were transcending for a moment there. You're like yeah. elevating. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but it's it is. Um, I I I I just had this funny thought though of like the person who's transcending, but but like. <laughs> paying complete disregard to their physiological needs, their love needs, you know, their <laughs> needs, like they're just an absolute mess, but yet they're helping other people self-actualize. Does that qualify yeah. as transcendence still? Um, I would say that <laughs> I was, I was let's channel in Maslow right now, but I, what I would say is that it qualifies as an element of it, but that's why it's not hierarchical because yeah. we can all have different elements of those, you know, those levels of the pyramid and not actually really be, you know, all have our physiological, excuse me, physiological needs met. Same thing that we we're not truly transcending because all this, like, you know, we have crap relationships because we treat people like crap, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it has to be like a more holistic. And, and then we, we also forgot the most important part in Maslow's update, and uh, which was that he said it wasn't even a pyramid anymore. It actually became a trapezoid with a, with a cylinder that was next to it in a cube. <laughs> no, I'm just totally making it up. Anyway, um, we got to get off these uh, stupid Maslow jokes. It's going down south quickly. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, he's go, turning in his grave right now yeah yeah exactly now let's go back to beyond happiness because i'm really excited um to read the book when it comes out and uh um, can you share with us um i don't know one of um one of your most uh your, your favorite lesson in the book or something that you're you know, just a little bit of a tidbit something that you're very excited for people to kind of read and learn from hmm um, I think the going back to this idea of you know no more Maslow's jokes and <laughs> no more, but the whole thing about two percent and the biggest thing I think for me is how this 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 thing about authenticity uh, and how we show up as leaders. So I, I mentioned the happiness heartbeat exercise that we do in terms of like really charting our own journey. And understanding what that means from like um, and highs and lows standpoint. Uh, another thing that I we do, but introduced in the book formally, is um, what I call the wheel of wholeness. And this applies mm. to not just us as leaders, but the ideal is that it applies to everyone in our organization. So when we look at the wheel of wholeness, I can imagine just like. Uh, a pie and there's different slices and the slices uh, can include uh, so the mental the emotional the relational the physical um, the financial uh, the spiritual mm -hmm. uh, so depending on who you are you can pick your own pies like you know pie pieces of what most important to you using that as like basically uh, from a scale of one to ten of just putting the points down as to where you are as a snapshot in your life in that day becomes a really useful tool to be able to say, these are the things that are like totally kicking ass at. And these are things like, oh, I just feel really, you know, not safe about it, insecure or not confident about. And then just doing it on a regular basis, it could be monthly, it could be quarterly, whatever it is. But then you get the sense of what needs to be worked on and what, you know, what you're feeling good about and celebrating. That 
is I think especially now in this time and age of what's been going on with this you know, age of um, awakening or resignation, as we know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are just like, you know, hell with this. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. So like a lot of leaders are just like, you know, how do we retain people? You know, what are we doing about this exodus? It's like bringing up this very simple tool and not just doing it for ourselves as leaders, but also for the people we lead. And say, hey, you know, I actually care about this. And it doesn't become an onus on the leader. It becomes a dialogue of like, because they need to take ownership as well. And that, but at least you can have a very clear and transparent and just caring, empathetic way of, uh, of talking about what needs to be done for the company, for the team, um, and, and, and therefore themselves and, and yourself. So uh, I think it's one of the, things I'm really excited about talking about and had no idea that it'd be even more important now that we're seeing just uh, people (laughs) quitting left and right and and actually taking a stand for themselves as what's important to them. And it becomes an easy tool to to have this dialogue in a very meaningful way. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. It's it's, um, something I've certainly experienced like companies that I've either um, worked with or built. Um, If you... The moment someone in a company realizes that this company actually cares about me in a way that is beyond just me doing well in my role, like you know, mm-hmm. creating this report or whatever, it cares about my well-being, wants to teach me skills that may or may not be directly applicable to this role or company, but that are just good for life in general. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you invest in people as people and not as cogs in the machine. In my experience, it just elevates people to a whole new level, right? And it's, yep. it's, it's part of this whole thing that we're talking about, which um, whether you know, we're saying the topic of self-actualization or self-transcendence, whatever, but you know, if the, the commonality is that we all just want to reach our full capabilities and we're gonna be naturally most attracted from a stickiness point of view, right? Mm-hmm. To, connect with people who support that within us. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I think what you're, what you're doing is so cool with delivering happiness is, is just helping, you know, create those cultures, right? Mm-hmm. In a, a scalable yeah, way. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how sticky that is. It's just like people, you know, people yeah. uh, that they love that stuff, right? They, they want to be supported in, in that way. I, I always think I, yeah. think, I, I like to think of threes, um, uh-huh. uh, so I always think of like, you know, that we're predominantly, and you can nest things however you want, but, um, I, I like to think that we're most obsessed with our health, our wealth and our relationships and mm. within health, you know, I think of, you know, mental health and spiritual health and, you know, emotional and physical. And then within wealth, I think of both, you know, what you do to make you know, money and what you do to, to grow that money. And then relationships, I think of everything from the relationship, you know, with yourself to, you know, your family and friends, if you have, you know, a spiritual or religious component. So um, I think there's lots of ways mm-hmm. to skin the cat. And I guess I'm just saying uh, that, uh, yeah, really aligned with um, yeah. what you're teaching and doing. What, yeah. do you, what, do you, what do you think is, <clears throat> what's um, just some fun, fun ways of thinking about things. So what's, what's one thing that you think, many, uh, many leaders out there, 
um, mm -hmm. are doing, but shouldn't be doing. Hmm. Um, I'd say that uh, it's, it's really interesting to me when we, you know, we get pinged for services, like, you know, CEO says, hey, can you help with our culture or can you help with this or that? And, and they think that they're checking it a box off. They're just like, oh, culture, check, you know, we're good. We got, we got to let me have help. But it's not what it's about. What I love is when leaders, I mean, they're well-intentioned. Sometimes <laughs> they're not. But yeah. let's just say when they're well-intentioned, like, yeah, I want to, you know, build our culture. I want to make sure it's scalable and sustainable and people are happy. They're, they're thinking it's for them and they're not realizing it's actually for themselves as well. Because checking it off a box is one thing, because it's almost like a, you know, oh, HR or, you know, like people ops, whatever. That's a little bit um, too limiting as to what the real, and you already, like, I know we're cut from the same cloth of what you just shared about what you believe when, it, when you unlock this with people and get them engaged because you care about them. When they realize it's actually about themselves as well. And I, I talk about, there's a few examples in my book of like, you know, CEOs and um, other leaders in their own right that thought they were doing the right thing um, and said, like, basically, so as an example, so David Kidder, he's in my book, and he just sold his uh, consulted company, Bionic, to Accenture within, I think, a month or two ago. So big highlight for him. Yeah. But what he was messing up on, you know, before with Bionic he was that he thought he was pouring himself into the company and the CFO called him one day and said, why are you ruining this company? And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, like we just got around to funding. Like we were just growing our employees like, like crazy. And, yeah. and we're going gangbusters. He's like, no, this company is going to fail because this company is all about you. And he was destroyed. Like, he's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like I am giving my, you know, I'm just, I'm, uh, get, uh, taking time away from my family, you know, like I'm pouring my energy and I'm not having uh, any sleep. But the CFO just basically echoed what everyone else in the company was feeling of it's all about David, it's all about his uh, stakeholders or shareholders in his view. And it was a wake up call. And sometimes we think we're doing the right thing. But until we get, again, real with ourselves, get, get authentic and actually listen to what people are saying and be open to it and even ask, you know, because the CFO might have never called them and he might have gone down that path forever. But that reality check is, I think, helped him get to this point of like, shit, I get got to get real with myself. And, and, and then therefore, like, um, you know, that's latest news of selling to Accenture is, is pretty amazing. Like he just didn't. No, he would get there, but he did it by realizing he had to do it with his team. Yeah, and that's uh, another example, I guess, of kind of what we were alluding to at the beginning of the chat when we said that sometimes you could be so focused on the money that you can just forget that there's these mm -hmm. you know other components that um, you know. My, and this isn't to say that the money's not important because I also have an issue with you know people who are saying you know that oh money's you know not important and do things you know purely for love and. It's well, okay, but you know, but, you know, money is important to people, and 
Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so you can't, you know, you can't throw that out of the picture completely. But, yeah, exactly. Well, that's why in the wheel of wholeness, financials are part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, you know, it's just part of the equation. It's not the whole pie, but it is a piece. Yeah. One fun thing that um, I've uh, challenged leaders to do sometimes is I say, you know, I want you to sit in a room and I want you to just have, have a lot of fun doing this. Just brainstorm and put together the company culture, which mm. is so incredible that if people heard of it, they would leave your company and run to it. Just, you know, what is that mm. company culture that people would actually leave for if they got wind of it and heard about it? What are all the things, mm -hmm. you know, how, how, how strong would it have to be in order to have that effect, you know, and actually pull people out of the company? They're like, okay, well, and then of course, obviously, then you say, well, okay, well, why don't you build that company culture? Um, yeah. And then, oh yeah, okay, yeah, maybe we could build that ourselves. So. <laughs> fun, fun ways to kind of like push people to kind of think outside of the box, even though that uh, uh, they're actually capable of, you know, creating uh, things. Yeah. That, you know, maybe they don't really you know, realize. Um, Very true. One of the things that I, just to build on what you said yeah. in terms of like imagining that this week, again, like I know you like to be practical and tactical. Uh, one of the things that we do is, is uh, it's um, culture as a animal or culture as a car. So when you have that like visioning exercise of when you're asking leaders of like, what's the culture you want to create? It actually makes it more like tangible when you compare it to like, what kind of animal do you want to be like, or what kind of car would you be? Like what kind oh, of car cool. are you now? And what kind of car do you want to be? So example, right now we're like, you know, a Ford truck because we're sturdy, like we're operational, like we get stuff done. Uh, I've been around for a long time, but we want to be a Tesla. And like, what we want to be innovative. We want to like be ahead of like you know, the the curve and just like just be in our own box. You know, things that when you get the those kind of visuals, it's like gets creative, and, but it gets also specific in in terms of the adjectives that you would use to describe those things. But anyway, just wanted to nice a no, build to what you just shared. Yeah, love it. Okay, um, to give people another little tangible thing on the, on the way out here, I would love if you could share. Um, okay. So for the, the person who has their team or who has their, um, you know, company or even just like their family, whatever their kind of unit of, of people is, if you were to share just one high leverage success secret, one tool, which can help them elevate that culture in a non-linear way mm. like it's just a it's it, it's a leverage point what's the, the the one thing that you'd recommend knowing that it won't be one size fits all but the, you know feeling that it would probably hit home for a lot of people what would it be mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i i'm a big believer in like i'm a big believer in learning and i'm a big believer in the answers are within ourselves and not to sound like, you know, this cheesy Mariah Carey song of like, we're all our own hero. <laughs> but I think that um, this tool has been helpful uh, and it's actually just two questions okay. uh, that need to be answered at the same time. Uh, what's in it for me and what's in it for all? So if you are able to answer those questions, a lot of times you just answer the first one or the, the, the second one, but not simultaneously. And then 
that actually helps build the picture of how do we make this a, a, a triple win for everyone, not just for our customers, our employees, but also as we're thinking bigger of our purpose of societal and planetary impact, if we care about the globe, yeah. um, that's a tool that we've been, uh, that I've been big about is just like really simple. Make sure you answer both questions, not just one. And at the same time, right? At the same time, yes. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, you know, in the same session. No, I know. So. <laughs> you have to be like this amazing, I don't know, it wouldn't even be like a ventriloquist. No, I, I, you can't actually do it. But anyway, um, Jen, it's really, really cool to talk to you. Um, as I Likewise. mentioned, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, a, been a big fan behind the scenes of what you've been doing. And uh, I think it's super cool, super needed, um, having a big impact on the world. Super excited, uh, once again, to read Beyond Happiness when it's out. And it's out in October again, right? October? Yeah. Yes, October 12th. Not Great. that I'm counting the days, but yes. <laughs> and if anybody... Um, given how amazing your work is and I highly, you know, vouch for it. If anybody wants to get in touch with you and you know, talk on the mm. kind of business consultancy side of things, um, how do they reach out? Uh, yeah. So deliveringhappiness.com, uh, but also for the book launched, uh, just launched jenlim.com. So it's J E N N L I M and.com. If you just want to, Shoot me a message. Uh, would love to entertain any random Maslow's jokes and <laughs> comments <laughs> that you might have or questions, of course. But yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks a ton, Jen. Really, really happy that you're on the show today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, um, I hope you have another Coke Zero on the way for uh, for a little break. I will. I will. Cool. All right. See you soon, Jen. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that discussion. And I know you're going to absolutely love the next one as well. It's with John Lee Dumas talking about his newest book and all the incredible things that you can be learning to increase your financial awareness and wealth. And I know you'll love that. Just click on the link right here and I'll see you there.